Hi, well, good morning, Zion. I was uh, chatting with the worship team this morning. We were gifted a couple tickets to Blue Man Group last night. And I, so I thought we should get blue lights and glow-in-the-dark drumsticks, but I was, I was vetoed. So um, maybe, maybe later. Hey, before we uh, get into the message today, I have a, a letter of thanks. If you recall back in Christmas season, we collected a lot of coffee and creamers and everything for uh, the Veterans Center. And it says, dear members, uh, I think on behalf of Meckley Shakely Veterans Center staff and residents, we want to thank you, thank you for your thoughtfulness. The coffee, creamer, and hot chocolate you gave us are appreciated and will be enjoyed by our veterans. Again, once again, thanks. Thank you for your kindness and consideration. Sincerely, uh, Dr. Sean Talladay. So just want to make sure you heard that uh, from them. We are, I, I think, pretty much on our last message for Abraham as we continue his story. We're going to get into some of the other characters in Genesis. And in case you haven't figured it out, we're not going to cover everything verse by verse, but some of the kind of the high points. But um, have you, are you one of these people that liked or disliked taking a test? Do you get test anxiety? Uh, boy, it was that, that day you're staying up, you're worried about it, you're wondering what in the world's going to happen, how you're going to do it. I mean, we have school tests, of course, and then the driving test. I barely passed mine. I had, I had some great idea I was going to. I learned to drive on a pickup truck, and then I thought, Dad, can I, can I take my test on your, your Thunderbird, which was a 1977 boat? Uh, and, and it's like, why? Well, I mean, I hardly ever drove it, and I, like I said, I barely passed. Uh, but I got my license, but I was full of anxiety, that idea of taking a test. Of course, we have the test of the emergency broadcast system. Uh, they could make us anxious. They could lead us also, though, to new places of maturity. Uh, and, but other times, they could downright uh, cause us fear. Um, let me ask a question. It's one of those questions where we, we know the right answer, but want to just encourage you to think deeply about it. How far would you go to follow God if he tested you? Uh, is, is there anything you or I would or would not do when it came to the Lord? Now, I know there, there are certain situations we just don't know what we would do until we were actually in that situation. Um, uh, I've never been in a military battle. I don't know how I would react. I might, I might fight. I might, I might defend myself and shoot my weapon and all those other things, or I might curl up in a fetal position. I, I just never been there. I, I know what I'd like to be like. I know uh, uh, I would want to be a helpful soldier, but I've just never done that. Uh, I've never been tortured for my faith, and I assume none of you here have been in that situation either how would I take that? Would I go to the point of death? I, I know what I'd like to do, but it's a whole nother thing to face it for real. Uh, if God put me in that situation, is there an upper limit to where I would say, okay, I would follow God up to this point and then, but no farther. Again, we know the correct answer. We know what the answer should be or we think it should be, but really, uh, these are questions of faith. These are questions of how much do we believe the Lord. And really, faith is acting, as we've said in this series, is acting like God tells the truth. 
So we're going to look at Abraham because he's going to get tested. And it's, it's going to be big. It's going to be probably the hardest thing that God could have asked him uh, more than his very own life. So we saw Abraham's call a few weeks ago, how God promised to make him into a great nation. He would be, uh, uh, be a blessing. He'd be blessed. God would take care of him. He would give him land. Uh, but all the descendants of Abraham would form a new nation. It's actually one of the great apologetics of the Bible, the fact that the nation Israel exists. Uh, because it was predicted and shown that this nation would come from this man, Abraham. Uh, and he's going to be tested. He is the father of all who believe, the father of our faith. We know that from the New Testament as well. Uh, but how far would he go? Now, last week we saw the prediction of his son. He's old. His wife is old. But at almost 100 years old, he's going to become a father for the first time. Sarah's about 95. I mean, they had long given up that they would ever have their own children. But God says, yes, you will have a child, and it will be through your wife, Sarah. Even though you're old Abraham, even though Sarah was past the years for having children. So in Genesis 21, they have their boy. They both have a child in their old age. He's the promised one. God, you know, they, remember last week we saw how they kind of tried to help God fulfill his promises, and it was wrong. <laughs> they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have uh, tried to have a child another way. But God said, no, 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 no. It's going to be a child through Sarah. In fact, within this next year, Abraham waited 25 years. Finally, one more year of waiting, you're going to have a child through Sarah. And they laughed. They laughed, Abraham, I believe, out of joy. And so they named their child Isaac. That's what it means in Hebrews, it's the word laughter. And so he will be the, the heir of all these promises. So the very promises that God gave to Abraham would pass on to Isaac, and then Isaac would pass them on to his son Jacob, and then, and then down to the entire nation. Uh, we, all, you know, we know they had varying degrees of success in their faith. There were times where they wavered. Other times they were obedient and believed God. But you know what? Every New Testament author, except for Jude, talks about Abraham as an example of faith. And Jude just wrote one chapter. Uh, so he's mentioned in the New Testament 76 times, and most always connected to faith. And you could read about specifically like in Galatians chapter 3, if you want to look that up later. So let's look at this test. We're going to be in Genesis 22, and so you could turn there or see it on the screen. Uh, verse 1 says, and after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Now, he didn't see this coming. We don't know how long or been or how much they talked together, but it's a huge turning point. This is a test of tests. Um, and before we get into the details of it, uh, just a little bit of clarity on the difference between a test and a temptation. God will test us or prove our faith, but he doesn't tempt us. Uh, his purpose in testing is to prove, is, and it's more for us than it is for him. He already knows, but they build our faith, they stretch our character, and really, as I said, reveal more to us about ourselves than, than him. He doesn't tempt the world. 
our flesh, our old man, our old woman, uh, and Satan, they tempt us to disobey God and try to think that we know better than he does. And the purpose of temptation is to hurt our character, destroy our faith, and so forth. But let's get back to the story. I like Abraham's response. God says, Abraham, and he says, here I am. In other words, just ready. Ready to hear and to listen. Simple yet profound. And he knew God's voice when he heard it. Now, here's where the test comes in. Verse 2. I mean, you can almost say, oh, God's going to talk to me. And he's excited, excited and happy. And all of a sudden, he's going to start, you want me to what? Verse 2. It says, he said, God, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. What? What? Uh, offer my son? By the way, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? It says, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Uh, it sounds like John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Similar idea. We'll, got, we'll talk about Jesus and Isaac later. But Abraham loved his son too. We don't know how old exactly Isaac was, but he's at least probably around 13 at the minimum, maybe even older, maybe as old as 20. Later on in the story, we're going to read that Isaac carried the wood for the sacrifice. So he had to be big enough and strong enough to carry that amount of wood on his back or however he was holding it. So he couldn't have been just a little guy. He had to be a, uh, again, probably at least in his teen years, if not older. So he had all those years with his son, the son of his promise, the one, here he is, there's no more waiting, it's his boy, he's the one that everything's going to pass on to. And they did all those father-son things growing up that they enjoyed. But what in the world was God doing? Did you ever ask God why? Or what do you think you're doing, Lord? And there are people in the scriptures who did that too, but there must have been a mountain of questions that Abraham had. You want me to do what? To who? And there, there's other things too. I mean, it's just, this is unreasonable. In fact, God has never asked for a human sacrifice. What is going on here? And he could have been frozen in unbelief or in confusion, but he's not. He gets up and he does what he's supposed to do. Some, some people actually are very critical of the Lord. I'm, I'm not. We know what he's going on. But he says there, there, there's maybe accusing God for being so cruel, but he had a purpose in mind for it. He knew, though, some things. How is he going to get through this? How is he going to sacrifice his son? Well, he knew, first of all, Isaac was the child. I mean, God couldn't have been more clear to Abraham. This is the boy. It's not Ishmael. Later on, Abraham has other children. After Sarah dies, he remarries, has other children. It's not any of those. It's not any of his relatives. It's not his nephew Lot. God says, look, this is the one you're going to have the, the nation through. 
This is the one that's going to inherit all the promises. So he knew that. And he also knew he would be a great nation. These are things he knew. But how, if he's the one and you want me to kill him, how's that going to work? What in the world are you doing? What are you thinking? How do you reconcile the command with the promise? You can't. And that's what makes it a test. That's what makes it a test. But what Abraham did is what we have to do is you have to go with what you know. He, he knew, he knew, he knew he was the promised child. He knew he would be the one that the nation comes from. I don't know how this is going to work, but the same is true for us today. There are things that are going to come up in our lives or have come up. Maybe you have your own stories where you thought, why, God? What is the point of this? What are you trying to do? There are circumstances. There are trials. There are things where you just go, I don't get you right now, Lord. You wanted me to do this, but it's tough. When there's no explanation and you hold on to what is true. I remember when we um, moved here, and this story just came to my mind. Uh, We had a dog named Nutmeg, and, and... Trish and Nutmeg loved each other. They were just pals, like I've rarely seen between people and a a human and a dog. And Nutmeg drove all the way out here with us, just sat next to Trish the whole time. And she, I get to be by mommy all day. It was just great. And we brought her out here, and we were out for a walk. And someone came over a hill, and Nutmeg, we, we were just got creamed by this car. I can't even think about it. And I remember going over there and just holding nutmeg. I said, I'm sorry, honey. And she, I mean, she, she died. She died right there. And then as we were going back and going back to the house, and it's like, God, why did you kill my dog? What's the point of that? Why did we come, why did we do this? Just, we come all the way out here just so my dog would die? I mean, what? we didn't know. And we still really don't have an answer for that. But there was, it was a why time. There was one, other times I, I, I looked like I was going to get one particular job and it fell through. It's like, why did, you, why did you raise my hopes up like that? But I found out later God would protect me. Well, Abraham had all those why questions going through his mind. What would he do? Let's read what he does. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early. Okay. Abraham, go sacrifice your son. Go to the mountain, I tell you. Rose early in the morning. I don't know about you, but I'd be, I'd be wasting time. I'd be not wanting to take care of this task. Uh, saddled his donkey. It took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place God told him. So he got, he got up and prepped for the travel, prepped for the sacrifice, got everything together. In short, he did what the Lord commanded him. Now, what was going through his mind? This was going to take some time to get to this mountain where he was going to sacrifice him. How is it going to work? And other times just thinking, oh, Lord, please not my boy. He's got to think he must have been thinking that. And then came a time where Isaac asked a really hard question. Because it's not specific here, but there seems to be some indication that Isaac's gears are turning. And he's starting to figure some things out himself. And as they're walking along, and Abraham leaves the servants there, because if they see what he's about to do, they're going to probably try to stop him. 
but he, he, he gets the fire, and he has the knife, and they put the wood on Isaac, and they start walking. And as they're walking, Isaac's doing a little math. He's taking a little inventory. Okay, we're doing a sacrifice. Okay, Dad's got the knife. Dad's got the, the fire. I got the wood. Did we forget something? Didn't we? What about the lamb? Hey, Dad. Dad, in verse 7 and 8, And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father! And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? What do you say? What do you say at that point if you're Abraham? Well, he actually tells the truth. He says, God will provide for himself the lamb of the burnt offering, my son. So they both went... uh, along together. Now, wasn't that true? Did not God provide Isaac? Yes. He was a miraculous child. It was true. It must have stung. And Abraham's answer is accurate, but it's ironic. God did do that. But you got to wonder, and again, it seems some things make sense if Isaac is becoming more willing. And he's going to keep walking and carrying a knife, and there's a there's a song that that we came across that is about this moment uh, that Paul's going to sing for us now. So if you can give him his give him your attention, please. Lord 
Lord, I will obey. Lord, help me. I don't know the way. So take me to the mountain. I will follow where you lead. And there I'll lay the body of this boy you gave to me. And even though you take him, I ever will obey. Maker of this mountain, please make another way. And holy is the Lord, and holy is the Lord. And the Lord I will obey. Holy is the Lord, and holy is the Lord. Lord, help me. I don't know the way. Lord, help me. I don't know. Thank you, Paul. You getting the feel for what it was for this man? He acted out of faith. He just acted like God told the truth. Tons of questions. Well, what did Isaac do? And again, this is, this is where we're, we're making some assumptions, but they seem to really be good assumptions about uh, Isaac's part. In verse 9, it says, When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there, and there laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And if, if Isaac was a, even a 13-year-old, he, you know, his dad was in his hundreds. So it seems like Isaac was starting to see and understand that he indeed was the lamb that was going to be sacrificed. Who would win that battle? I think this young son would, unless he cooperated. And here it comes. And here comes the moment. There's this boy. He's bound. He's on the wood. He's just got to kill him, kill his own son. And he's got the knife in his hand. And he brings it up. And then right at that moment, I mean, timing. He's going to do it. In his mind, it's going to be done. But here's what happened. Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to slaughter his son. You know what? I don't think I could do it. I, I mean, my son, my daughter, I, I, I don't think I could do it. But at the last second, verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And you could just, what? <laughs> just the, the emotions and how he was feeling at that moment. He said, here I am. 
And he, the angel of the Lord, said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. What a relief. Okay, he's, he's letting him do it. He's, he's going through the whole process, but wow, it really shows Abraham to himself. He'll do whatever the Lord says, even with all those questions. And later on, the rest of the story, as you read through the chapter, uh, remember here, kind of a double provision where it says, uh, uh, where Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb. Well, right then, Abraham hears a little disturbance. There's a ram. It's caught in a thicket. And it says, let's use that instead. And they sacrifice the animal at that point. And, you know, it's easy, again, to look at, why would God do this? Would he call for this? Um, But there's something I want you to see. Because this... This story, it, the technical word, it's called a type. It's a, it's a metaphor of another father and son. And we want to compare, and I don't know how well you could read this, but, um, but I did bring my laser pointer. All right. Look at Isaac, miracle baby born to a barren woman too old to conceive. Okay. Jesus, miracle baby born to a virgin. Hmm. Isaac, only son. Yeah, I know it's, yes, he had the other sons, but this is the, this is the son of promise. This is the, the, the one that was promised. Jesus, only son of God, John 3.16. Isaac, figuratively dead. Um, okay, now my thing, oh, there it goes. Figuratively dead for three days. And he, he was, Abraham considered Isaac as already dead at that point. Jesus, literally dead for three days. Uh, accompanied by two servants, Isaac or Jesus, accompanied by two criminals, carried the wood for a sacrifice. You get this one? Carried the cross of his sacrifice. Isaac willingly submitted, Jesus willingly sacrificed. Remember that, that it's in John where he says, um, I could get a legion of angels just like that. And one angel would have been more than enough. But he didn't. Okay. Uh, sacrificed on the mountain in Moriah. There's some people that debate whether they were sacrificed at the same place. Um, but it's at least near Mount Moriah. And then figuratively, figuratively, and really quite literally, brought back from death, and Jesus came back from the dead. So if you want to say, gee, that was awful mean of God, let's test, stop and take a step back here for a minute and see who did sacrifice their son. No one stopped God's hand. No one did. Uh, He gave us his son. Romans 5.8, we just looked at this at our life group on, on, um, actually we'll look at it this Tuesday, coming up this Tuesday uh, at our life group here. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when you want to ask why, why did God do it? Why was he working? Why was he having Abraham do that? Why, 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 why? You know why God gave his son? Because we were in desperate need. Because our sin, my sin, your sin, everyone's sin has divided us from God. 
And God said, this is the only way. Someone has to pay for that. Someone has to take the wrath. Okay, my son. So God did that. No one stopped him. No angel stopped the hand of God. He really died. He was really sacrificed. Uh, he's, he's in really God's eyes at that time already sacrificed for uh, Abraham and, and his friends. This, again, is a foreshadow, a type of the answer for our sin. The Old Testament's all about Jesus. Submission for us calls us to sacrifice something of great value. Now, again, Abraham may have had an idea. The book of Hebrews later on tells us in Hebrews eleven nineteen, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Um, that was Abraham's only solution to this conflict in his mind. Well, he gave me my son. He made him alive in Sarah's womb. If I kill him, God's going to have to resurrect him. That was the only solution he could find. It was the solution for Jesus, wasn't it? Let's deal with a little application here. Just first of all, for parents, uh, where did Isaac learn about the Lord? Where did he learn that? Well, from his parents. And I just I read something the other day. It says, kids don't listen to us. They don't always listen. But what they do is they model. And whatever your priorities are, more than likely your kids' priorities are going to be the same. Do they believe in the promises of God? Are they willing to obey? And of course, there's always exceptions. I mean, I'm an exception. I, I didn't come from a family of faith. God saved me, rescued me. Uh, without that influence. But uh, for those of us who know Christ, we, we model that. Do, would, would our kid go willingly as well? And But then the other question to ask ourselves is what do we love more than God? And we know the right answer. We know he needs to be the top priority. Now, will God ask any of you to sacrifice your child? Probably not. Likely not. Don't see it happening. But what happens, though, is for many parents is we put our children before the Lord. So while we're saying, well, I won't sacrifice my child, but we make my child, our children, the most important thing. And I get it. And, you know, things come up. There are times where there's seasons of life. And, they're, you know, if you're on your way to church, but your child gets hurt, you're going to go to the hospital instead, right? Obviously, those things are fine. We're not talking about that, but we're talking about a priority. But kids essentially can become God in a family, where whatever that kid, child wants and desires, that becomes the center part. And if, it, and if it gets in the way of our worship with God, then, well, okay, we're going to worship our child instead of the Lord. So activities and schedules take precedent over the Lord. Uh, or in, And we follow the Lord if, well, if there's time or if we have the energy and so forth. So why he's not going to ask you to sacrifice your child. But on the other side, to look at this, have you made your child or anything else that one thing or second thing or three things that you will not give up? Would you? Or comfort, or whatever it might be. Jobs, priorities, your image, money, whatever that might be. These are 
lack of a better word, idols? Are we willing to put those aside? Will we obey a command? And you know, again, we know the right answers. Well, whatever God said, I'll do it. Yes, yes. We know how to answer the paper test of how we're supposed to follow the Lord. But there's other things that God has commanded us, and we mentioned these before. The idea of making disciples, sharing our faith. And we, we, we generally won't say, nope, not doing, nope, nope, forget it. Just pick somebody else. We usually don't just outward hear ourselves say no, but we tend to be kind of passive in our disobedience. Well, I'm just going to kind of ignore evangelism or sharing my faith. And when we're done with this series, by the way, we're going to spend a few weeks on how to do that in sharing our faith as we go up to Easter. Um, and making disciples goes along with that. Uh, I like what Francis Chan says about it. He's one of my favorite contemporary authors. And he's talking specifically about making disciples in the Great Commission. And he says, Simon says, pat your head, and we all pat our head. God says, make disciples, and we memorize the verse. We do everything but do what God says. You know, it's kind of, he gives another illustration where um, a parent tells their child to clean their room. Right? Who said that? Who's ever said Your parents, go clean up your room, right? Go clean your room. And you go back, you could check back an hour or two later, and your child's not done a thing to clean their room. Right? Then I'll, yeah. So, didn't I ask, didn't I tell you, didn't I command you to clean your room? And imagine your child saying, oh, mom, dad, I got to tell you, that instruction, that command from you changed my life. I've, I've been busy here. I've been writing. I put this in a poster and, I've, and I wrote it down and I've memorized it. And then I called a bunch of my friends and we're going to have a study on cleaning your room. And your kid does everything but clean the room. Again, that's, I, that's from Francis Chan. I'd love to take credit for that. But we could do the same thing. God tells us to do things. And again, evangelism, disciple-making, those are part of that. What about prayer? Pray without ceasing. Pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread the instructions on how to pray, that's how we should pray. I don't mean just saying those words, but using that as a model as well. Uh, we're, we're called to serve and encourage one another. Uh, those, are, those are commands. We could find all those using our gifts. Uh, and you could, we could turn to others, loving one another, loving our enemies. Uh, wow, there's a lot of things that we can't just pass by or make excuses for and frankly, are a lot easier than killing your kid. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can believe God and obey him. Having faith is much more than just this, oh, I believe. I, yes, I'm, I'm making this decision that I believe in the Lord. Action follows it. Faith is an action. In fact, we should right now start with some prayer. If you want to pray out loud today, we welcome you to do that. But based on this passage, how about praising God for sacrificing his son? Let's remember what he did. 
as we, as we look at that story. And then pray a dangerous prayer. Search me for idols that I prioritize over God. Is there something else that we wouldn't give up? Again, that's an idol. And then also, maybe God's speaking to you and saying, help me to obey, fill in the command, even though I have questions. So let's take some time praying. If you'd like to pray out loud, go ahead, and then I will close us in a little bit. So let's pray. For God. <laughs> How we read through that verse that you so love the world that you gave us your only son it becomes familiar. But if there's a perfect father's heart, it's yours. And to, and to not just kill your own son, but to pour your wrath on your beloved son for us, for people that are in rebellion, for people that hate you, that we might be reconciled to you, Lord. Why, why did you do that? Why would you do that? And we, we know the simple answer is your love. But we, we stop and acknowledge and praise you for a message that's could be very familiar. Lord Jesus, you're the Isaac who really died. And you went willingly. You didn't want to, but you did. And so, Lord, we, we put our faith in that death and in your resurrection uh, in, in order to be saved, that we might have our sin atoned for, that we might be reconciled to God, that we might have peace with God and access to him. And even now, as we are gathered here in prayer together with one another, we have the, uh, the, the, the presence of our Lord in his very throne room because of the work of Christ. So, Lord, we, we along with Abraham, why did you do that? But, Lord, I think the bigger question is, why did you do what you did through Jesus? Because it wasn't because we were good. We were needy, and you loved us. So, Lord, search us. Search us for those idols. Lord, there's so many things that I, I would prioritize over you. Search us for those things that uh, we would not give up for your sake. And, Lord, for the, for the commands, regardless of what they may be, maybe there's someone that we need to forgive. We were commanded to forgive, and we said, nope, not doing that one. Lord, we, we want to obey that even though we're, we don't get it and understand. We, to love one another, to love our enemies, uh, to, to, to be submissive uh, to one another, to be um, uh, obeying uh, even government authorities as you've commanded several times in your word. Uh, Lord, there are lots of reasons not to, and it doesn't make sense, but Lord, we nonetheless will follow you and obey you and honor you with our, with our lives. I just pray you would reveal those to us. Thank you, Lord, for this story, for this example of faith. Uh, and, um, boy, we have questions too. I just can't imagine how wretching this was, heart-wrenching it was for Abraham. But, Lord, you work through people, and you give grace, and your Holy Spirit gives power. And we pray this in your name. Amen. As our worship team comes up, uh, let me do a few announcements. Uh, on March 18th, uh, you've been hearing me announce this before, we're doing something called OT Live. 
and you will have a opportunity in three hours to kind of learn the overall history of the Old Testament. Yeah, there's some motions, there's some things that go with it. It's a ton of fun, uh, and it's through Walk Through the Bible Ministries. And so we're inviting all three campuses, and it's not limited to Zion. Anyone who wants to come can come. Um, previously, though, we've changed the pricing structure uh, and because it's $20 a person, and that's not our fee. That's what we're charged. Uh, however, got a deal for you. So it's $20 a person, but for two people, it's 40 <laughs> Actually, there's more to it. If, you, if For a family... Anything over two, it's still 40. Okay, so if it's three, four, ten of you in your family, you can bring, you know, bring, we want you to bring the kids, in other words, and join one another. Yeah, for a couple, sorry, that you do get the two for 40 deal. But everyone else, just for a family, bring your kids, it'll just be $20. Uh, you can go, go ahead and sign up on our website, uh, zionlife.com, and there should be a link for OT Live or zionlife.com slash otlive. There's some cards back there that have that on there or the posters. Um, how young are the kids? We, we were debating. I think the, little, the littler kids are, would be just fine, but there are some who felt um, probably second grade and above. But I wouldn't be surprised if some of these kindergarten or first graders do it better than the adults. Because uh, they just, their little minds are just like sucking up information all the time. So put that down March 18th. Uh, but please, families, if you want to bring, you know, uh, entire families, they'll get a book, a workbook, and everything that goes with that. Uh, Lenten, Lent and Easter is coming up. Uh, you've seen these back there, the schedule for our Lenten gatherings. I will be preaching at Harvest this Wednesday. If you remember, we did uh, just before COVID, I think the year before, uh, brokenness, surrender, and holiness. And I think, oh, I've already been that. I don't have to go. Let me tell you what. I've been reviewing these and going, wow, I've forgotten a lot. And so I encourage you to meet with your other brothers and sisters in our community. Uh, the churches and the, uh, the speakers and everything are listed there. They're all at 7 p.m. Uh, we will host on March 8th. So come join us uh, and be part of that. And uh, again, if you... I, I still feel that this, that was one of the pivotal series that we've done as a church in our 15 years that we've been here uh, together, not that the others weren't. Uh, and so I've been, I've been praying for this, for God to be moving in our hearts and minds. Who knows? Maybe we'll be like Ashbury College and stay all night praying and repenting together. Wouldn't that be something to see the Lord be moving in our hearts? But he does that. That's his work. Uh, and so... Um, we are, we are um, encouraging you to be with, uh, be with that. Uh, with that, we're doing also something new this year called the Easter Prayer Breakfast. We, we will have some things on Good Friday. There's no school that day, uh, and we'll give you more information. But on the Saturday after Good Friday, uh, we'll be meeting at Carn City High School Cafeteria at 8 8.30 a.m., uh, and it's $8. Cindy's Restaurant is catering that. They're giving us a, a pretty good deal. So you get breakfast uh, and um, hope to have at least, if you want to buy a table, you say, you know what, I'll, I'll do a table of eight. Uh, you could do that as well. I don't have the link for you now where you sign up for that, but we are asking for people to sign up just so they know how much food to prepare. 
Uh, and we'll be learning more in pr- about prayer and praying together on that day. But just write it in there April 8th so you have that in your calendar. Uh, and then finally, one of the things, um, several people have been uh, burdened, concerned, interested in uh, our junior high and high school students here at our church campus. Uh, we are inviting you. We've had some people already meet to pray and think about that. Next Sunday, right after our gathering, we'll just come down here and we're going to pray for our students, both for the high school in general and for our junior high and high school students here with have a relationship here at Zion. You're not volunteering to do youth ministry, but we are challenging you to say, come join us in prayer as we as a church are seeking God's face and direction to how we can help families disciple their children. All right, you guys ready? Thank you again, Paul, for doing that song for us today.